Rogers Carpool. My name is James Brooks. I'm your host. Thanks for joining me on today's episode. This is my first episode back since the All-Star break. The Lakers have played a few games since the All-Star break. We're going to go through those, go through a big win the Lakers had last night against the Clippers in the last matchup, regular season matchup between the two teams as co-habitants um, of Crypto.com Arena. So let's just jump right on back into it. So before the All-Star break, the Lakers had some nice wins against the Pelicans, the Pistons, the Jazz. Um, you know, going into the All-Star break, I think we'd only lost like one game, one or two games in the month of February, which was awesome. And then coming out of the All-Star break, we had a back-to-back against the Warriors and the Spurs. And then we played the Suns. We played the Suns last Sunday and then just had a game last night against the Clippers and then a back-to-back again tonight against the Wizards. So kind of a tough schedule for the Lakers. And then we'll go ahead and talk about the schedule uh, in a few minutes, the upcoming schedule, which is not necessarily an easy road ahead for the Lakers either. Um, but going back to the games after the All-Star break, the Lakers had played the Warriors in Golden State, a game in which LeBron James did not play due to um, some ankle um, swelling and soreness. Uh, didn't play in that game. Lakers lose 128-110. to Overall, uh, a disappointing game for the Lakers coming out of the All-Star break, kind of sleepwalking a little bit. Again, not playing with LeBron James. But the Warriors are a team... I mean, LeBron matches up well against the Warriors because the Warriors are generally a little smaller and LeBron is a, you know, head down, get to the basket kind of guy. So not having LeBron does hurt, obviously. You know, we're still dealing with injuries with Jared Vanderbilt. Uh, Christian Wood is now on the on the injured list. Gabe Vincent is still hurt. Uh, Cam Reddish at this time was, was hurt as well. So a lot of our, you know, point of attack defender guys, you know, in, in Vanderbilt's and Gabe Vincent from like a perimeter standpoint they, they're out and so you know in the game the first quarter the Lakers were kind of just like kind of hoping that Steph wouldn't beat them and he kind of did you know he kept them in the game the, the Warriors weren't playing all that well but Steph kind of kept the Warriors in the game and then ended up pulling out getting a, a blowout win against the Lakers 128 to 110. Lakers followed that up with a home game against the Spurs. Um, I believe that was Wembenyama's first game in LA uh, against the late. I mean, we had played the Spurs earlier this season in San Antonio and the Lakers get a, a nice win, 123 to 118. The The final score is a little closer than what the game indicated. You know, the Lakers were, were kind of blowing out the Spurs for most of that game. Wemby had a, had a crazy game, a five by five game from a stat standpoint. And, you know, Lakers took care of business. The, the Spurs are one of the worst teams in the league right now. If we would have lost that game, it would have been major, major, major problem for the Lakers. But we, you know, took care of business. Anthony Davis, 28 points. LeBron, 30 points. D'Lo, 22 points. Rui, 17 points. Uh, Reeves didn't have a great game. Only 10 points from a scoring standpoint. And then off the bench, Prince had five. Jackson Hayes had eight. Max Christie had three. Not a whole lot of bench production there. But a lot of that kind of goes back to what we talked about in terms of in terms of um, guys being injured and whatnot. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie played 24 minutes in that game, went 0 for 6 and had 0 points, so not a great Spencer Dinwiddie game. Uh, but overall, nice to take care of business and, and get a win against, again, a team that we should win against regardless. You, you know, I mean, it's possible Wendy goes and does something crazy and, and Lakers end up losing that game, which would have been terrible, but Lakers take care of business, get the win. 
um, had a few games off or a few days off and then played the Suns in Phoenix on Sunday. A game that was really, you know, since coming out of the All-Star break, I would say the Warriors game was a must win, you know, because we're jockeying with the Warriors in the standings right now. You know, I think as as of right now recording, Lakers jumped back into the ninth seed and the, the Warriors are in the 10th seed. But the Warriors had, had bumped up ahead of us for a few games into the ninth seed, bumped us down to the 10th seed. And so that was a must-win game from a standing standpoint. You know, they're right around us in the standings. They're a division rival, all these things. There's no reason why that game shouldn't have been taken a little more seriously for us to win that game. But Lakers came out kind of sleepwalking and never really – I feel like we were never really in the game for the most part um, for that game. And then the Suns was the, kind of like the next really must-win. I mean, I, at the end of the day – Every game from here on out, from today through the playoffs, is a must-win game for the Lakers as they sit in the ninth seed if they want to try and either get out of the play-in tournament or move up in the play-in tournament, right? Sitting in the ninth or tenth seed, you have to win two games just to be the eighth seed. And then from there, you are playing the one seed, right? Which could be the T-Wolves. Right now it is, yeah, the Timberwolves are half a game above OKC in the one seed. You know, I mean, being the eight seed and playing like an OKC or Minnesota might not be the worst thing in the playoffs. You know, if Denver stays around three or four, but we'll see if Denver kind of puts the pedal to the metal and kind of or metal to the pedal. I don't know. Uh, if you know, if Denver kind of gets things going and, and takes over that one seed, then obviously seeing Denver in the in the first round would not be not be great. Uh, but at the end of the day, it'd be nice to you know get out of the play and not have to play a game or two games just to get into the playoffs, right? Like. The Pelicans right now are sitting at the sixth seed, 35 and 25, three games ahead of the Lakers. There's only a you know 20 something games left in the season, so like three games back is tough, especially if the Pelicans keep playing well. You know they lost last night to Indianapolis, so that's great, right? Lakers get a win, Pelicans get a loss, that's great. Um, I believe the Nuggets beat the Kings last night, right? The Kings are in the eighth seed, two games above the Lakers, so a loss for the Kings and a win for the Lakers is great. If the Lakers win tonight against the Wizards, that puts us five games above 500, which would be, you know, it, it puts us in a good spot. But, you know, obviously, if teams, if the teams ahead of us keep winning, even if we keep winning, nothing changes. So, um, in one sense, it might be time to settle in for the Lakers to be the ninth or 10th seed and have to win two games to get into the playoffs. But, you know, there's a chance you could hold out hope for the Lakers to, to uh, you know, make make a run kind of similar to last season. And I'll, I'll go into more a little bit on that uh, in a second. Um, but playing the Suns, who, you know, they're ahead of us in the standings. The Suns are sitting in the fifth seed. They're also three games ahead of us. So, like, that game was huge against the Suns on Sunday, and the Lakers came out pretty flat. They had a good second half, but a really bad first quarter. I think they gave up, like, 40-something points in the first quarter. Um, just a really bad, a really bad... Um, first half in general from the Lakers against the Suns in Phoenix uh, yeah gave up 45 points in the first quarter we outscored them 35 to 27 in the second quarter um, outscored them 27 23 in the third quarter we were in the game you know we came back within a you know single digits we had a chance to make a run and, and kind of take over that game but got outscored 28 to 23 in the fourth quarter and lost by 10 points um, in a game where at the time um you know, if we would have won that game, we would have been two two games behind Phoenix in the loss column. 
Instead, with Phoenix winning, they go up four games. Um, and, and now it's sitting at three and a half, I believe. But uh, just a really a, a bummer on Sunday for the Lakers to go out and kind of come out flat. You know, Anthony Davis did not play well in the first half. Uh, the I'm pretty sure there was a huge free throw discrepancy um, where the Lakers were actually on the other side of. Yeah, the Lakers got uh, eight free throw attempts in the game to 19 against the Suns. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that the Lakers should have gotten more, that the refing was bad necessarily. I mean, I did I did witness a few no calls against guys like Anthony Davis. And, and you know, Anthony Davis was getting visibly frustrated with the, ref, with the refereeing um, not being too consistent. But at the end of the day, you know, Anthony Davis kind of let Nurkic push him around. And, you know, Nurkic is you know, he's a good player, but he's not Anthony Davis level. Like if Anthony Davis is focused and coming into that game, not wanting to let Nurkic get rebounds and, and have his way down low, Anthony Davis can stop him. Uh, but he didn't really do that. Nurkic ended up with 22 rebounds, 18 points, just insane. 22 rebounds for Nurkic, who is really the only big on that team. I mean, Bull Bull did play 24 minutes, um, but he didn't, I mean, he had 11 points, I guess. But uh, he didn't get – he had four rebounds. So, But, you know, for Nurkic to go down and pull down 22 rebounds, uh, Royce O'Neal had nine rebounds. Uh, yeah, nine rebounds. Um, you know, so just overall the effort in the first half was, was, wasn't great. But, you know, overall in the game, right, the Lakers, they shot 52% from the field. The Suns shot 47% from the field. The Lakers shot 42% from three. Uh, and – just slightly better than than the Suns from a percentage standpoint, but um, the Suns did hit 17 threes versus the Lakers third or 15. So I mean, from like a scoring standpoint, it was pretty similar. Um, the big discrepancy is the free throws. And again, I'm not necessarily complaining from a ref standpoint. You know, I think it can be easy to look at that ref, especially being a Lakers fan and having other teams do that to the Lakers all the time, where it's like. It's rigged against. It's rigged against us. You know they're giving the Lakers all the calls. They're giving the Lakers twenty free throws in a game and, and whatever. But it's like, you know, again, every game's a little different. But gener- generally speaking, when you have guys like LeBron James and Anthony Davis on your team, you're gonna get a lot of free throws because they attack the basket. They get to the hoop. Um, even guys like Austin Reeves, he attacks the basket. Rui Hachimura attacks the basket. Um, we have a nice blend of three point shooting and and attacking the basket. It's kind of in the middle with the Lakers, but, um, they're, you know, LeBron's a big body. You're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to be physical with him if you're not going to, if you don't want him just to walk to the basket. So the Lakers getting a lot of free throws makes sense, um, from that standpoint. And just generally speaking, every game again is different, right? Sometimes maybe the refereeing isn't consistent, but like for the most part, the style of play the Lakers, um, play with it, it results in a lot of free throw shooting. And so, like, looking at, and, you know, some of this is box score watching, right? Like, I wasn't necessarily sitting and watching every single play for the Lakers against the Suns. But, you know, when I see the Lakers having uh, only eight free throw attempts versus, versus, you know, 19 for the Suns, my first thought is we settled for a lot of outside shots. And, I mean, like, the free throws or the three-pointers were falling decently, right? If you're shooting... Lakers almost shot forty three percent from from three, on thirty five attempts. Like that's pretty that's pretty good. Uh, you know I've said this multiple times on the podcast, right? Like the Lakers are at their best when they're right around twenty five three pointers. Even with guys like D'Lo and Austin Reeves and Rui, right? Like these guys that will shoot threes and, and Torian Prince, 
and LeBron, his three-point shooting has has been pretty good lately, right? Like, so the Lakers are going to shoot threes, but from a you know, if you're go if you're getting Anthony Davis involved in the offense, which the Lakers need to do if they want to be an elite team and uh, you know a potential contender, you have to get Anthony Davis involved, and you're not getting him involved by shooting threes. And you know, Anthony Davis doesn't shoot threes as much as he did when he first his first year with the Lakers. You know, I feel I, the first year with the Lakers, he probably averaged like two to four attempts a game you know and now he's maybe averaging he's probably he probably averages less than one attempt per game I I would have to look at it I don't want to take too much time to look that up but you know Anthony Davis is not a three-point shooter anymore for this Lakers team under Darvin Ham and so if you're shooting threes you're not getting Anthony Davis involved um as much I mean it's possible you can you could get an entry pass to Anthony Davis he gets double teamed he kicks it out for a three like that's getting him involved and that's creating space and stuff like that but again generally speaking the more threes you're shooting, the less you're involving Anthony Davis. And, and that's just kind of the, the case. And so when you're shooting 35 threes, you're not attacking the basket as quite as much, right? So if you take away those, if you take away 10 of those three pointers and you make it, and those attempts are Rui attacking the basket, Anthony Davis attacking the basket, LeBron attacking the basket, you're going to get, you know, honestly, like you, you might get foul calls on, on half of those attempts, maybe. You know, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe you get foul calls on you know three or four of those attempts, but those that's six to eight free throws. Uh, you add that up, right, and that's sixteen free throw attempts, and that's much more comparable to to what the Suns shot in that game. So, overall, uh, just just a kind of a disappointing game for the Lakers, being a big, big must win game, um, in terms of standings and and how much that would have helped the Lakers if they would have won. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. Lakers didn't win the game. Um, we, you know, I think we. I don't know if it was after that game or not, but would you know drop down to tenth in the in the Western Conference, and uh, just pretty disappointing. And then coming into last night, uh, so I'm recording this on Thursday. On Wednesday night, the Lakers played the Clippers. This was the last uh, regular season matchup between the Lakers and Clippers as co-habitants of the of Crypto.com Arena. Clippers are moving over to I think it's called the Intuit Center in Inglewood next season, which I'm you know good for them, right? They should get out like. They live under the Lakers' shadow. Like, I, 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 I don't know. I, I feel like I mean I'm sick of the Lakers losing to the Clippers as much as they have in the last like ten years or whatever. But the, this is the first time the Clippers have ever really been a true contender um, against like going up against the Lakers, right? Like you had the Lob City era with Blake Griffin and Chris Paul, and and like they were good. But I don't think they were really contenders necessarily at that time. Like they were, they were a, a good playoff team, but they weren't really Finals contenders. And the Lakers were awful during that that stretch of of time. So there wasn't really much of like a quote unquote rivalry there. Um, and then once the Lakers got Kawhi, or once the Clippers got Kawhi, the Lakers got LeBron and Anthony Davis. Um, Clippers bring in Paul George, right? Like that created, you know, you had two contenders, two legit contenders in LA, um, which created a bit of a a rivalry. You know, you had the Clippers putting up like the re the we run la billboards in, you know throughout la you know you have the clippers who smartly like sponsor all these like basketball courts going up in in la so you have these basketball courts which are pretty nice honestly and they all have the clippers logo they did a good job at like putting themselves out in the city to a point where like you know if you're a young kid you could you could i could see these young kids being convinced to to grow up as clippers fans potentially you know a, a, they're a good team uh, they they do stuff in the community. Not that the Lakers don't, but um, in a way that they do things in a way that might attract 
younger like the younger generations to to like the clippers and stuff so um but all that's to say is like i haven't really i never really hated the clippers so to speak until the lakers got Kawhi and, and they became more of a contender and a true like rival to the lakers in terms of contending for a championship that 2020 season where the lakers ended up winning you know the, the clippers were a legit contender like they were, they there was times during that regular season where it felt like the clippers were the better team um you know you had the measuring stick of you know i reference this all the time on this podcast just because it stands out you know it was our last championship season in 2020 and the the, the moment when i knew as a fan and someone that uh, I, I guess i had just started the podcast back then so i, I wasn't technically like podcasting about the team or whatever at the time well, I, I was i was but just barely um was that time frame you know it was around this time four years ago which feels crazy where the lakers uh beat the the bucks and the, the clippers i think in the same weekend it was like a friday night game and a sunday game or something like that and lakers beat the bucks who were the contender uh favorites in the east and then the clippers who were talked about as being the contenders favorites in the west went up against both those teams in the same weekend and beat them uh pretty convincingly you know i went to one of the i went to the bucks game in person and that was a, that was super fun um and it was a pretty convincing win you know it was close at times but the, the lakers showed up in the fourth quarter same thing with this clippers game four years ago right lakers showed up and you know it was close but they ended up winning by like 10 points um and it stands out because like that was the measuring stick that season you can look back at that time and be like yeah lakers were legit contenders even though you had a lot of people a lot of naysayers out there a lot of people saying like eh, you know i don't think the lakers can do it they don't have a third star you know who's their next best player is it their next best player is danny green they're they're gonna win a championship with their next best player next best player being danny green or kcp or alex caruso um, there's a lot of neg- negativity around the Lakers and their roster construction, and they ended up going and do it. And I know it was a special, you know, season and whatnot with the bubble and, and everything. But pre-bubble, the Lakers were the best team. They at that moment, the Lakers had proved that they were, if not the best, they were in the conversation as the best team in the league at the time. Um, and and so looking back at that was like right around the time where I started being like, yeah, you know what? I don't really like the Clippers. They're they're good. They're contending against the Lakers. They're putting up these signs like saying we run LA and all this stuff, which is just not true. You know, anyone that lives in LA knows that the Clippers live in the shadow of the Lakers. And so going back to what I was saying is like, it's good for the, good for the Clippers getting out of crypto, getting out from underneath the shadow of the Lakers a little bit. I mean, they still are, they're still in LA, but at least they're kind of in their own building, their own part of the city, you know, Inglewood and, and downtown. It, I mean, it feels like it's, very far apart even though it's probably technically pretty close mileage wise and stuff but you know feels like it's pretty far even again even though it's not um in their own part of the city lakers got downtown clippers get inglewood and you know it it kind of is a new era for the clippers in that sense new new era for the lakers even with the clippers leaving and stuff so it'll be interesting to see how the rivalry so to speak you know stands and, and how it is being in different buildings and whatnot but um this was yeah so this was the last the last regular season game for the lakers and the clippers and the game was insane let me tell you that like i was watching the game as i was writing a paper for my nba so i was kind of like not paying attention too much and the lakers were losing by a lot you know the lakers were down by as much as 21 points in the fourth quarter i think we went into the fourth quarter down 19 uh clippers scored a a bucket so it went up to 21 and at that time, I tweeted out, I was like, you know what, this, like, there was so much negativity on Twitter, 
between myself and everyone else, right? Like everyone's watching this game being like, this is another measuring stick game. You know, like the, the Suns game, the Lakers came out flat in a game that would have been really helpful in the standings. Uh, it would, would have been somewhat of a measuring stick. I mean, Phoenix has its own problems. Like it's not like they're, they're not necessarily being talked about as being like one of the best in the, in the NBA right now, but they're, they're still contenders. You know, right? you have KD and Booker and, and Beal, if he gets healthy, right? Like you have guys on that team that can turn that, turn that team into a contender if, uh, you know, if the dice or if the dominoes fall correctly for them, right? So a little bit of a measuring stick for the Lakers, but at the very least, it's a very important game from a standings standpoint. And the the next, you know, Lakers have their next game. It's another big game, another must-win game, even though they all are, but another must-win game for the Lakers, measuring stick type game, so to speak, and a game that'll help them in the standings. You know, I mean, we're not really within striking distance of the Clippers, right? The Clippers are in that first four, the top four seeds where they're kind of within a game, a game or half a game of each other. And then everyone else is kind of vying for the fifth or 10th spots. Um, so from a standing standpoint, it's not going to, you know, we're not going to bump up ahead of the Clippers or anything like that, but, but still beating a Western conference team is helpful and, and just winning a game in general is helpful, right? Like, like I mentioned last night, the, the Pelicans lost to the uh, Pacers and the, the Kings lost to the Nuggets, right? And so like those two losses and the Lakers winning, helps them get a little bit closer to, to potentially getting out of the play-in tournament. Um, so, like, halfway through this game, we're, like, in the third quarter, the Lakers were just playing terribly, not playing defense at one point in the game. They ended up – I don't know how many they, they ended up with, but at one point they had 17 turnovers in the game, which is just despicable. And it just felt like, you know, this team has given up. There, I understand that, like, there's health problems, right, like with Vando and – and whatnot, but like you know, we were in it in the first quarter, down one point, thirty to twenty-nine. Had a terrible second quarter. Uh, only put up twenty-three points, allowed thirty-six points. Had a, you know, not as bad, but still not great third quarter, uh, giving up thirty points again and only scoring twenty-five. And then uh, the fourth quarter is where everything changed. But you know, at let's see, the Lakers had, uh, let's see, where is it? Oh, 15, 15 turnovers in the game. So they have 15 turnovers in the game, which is just awful. They're not playing good defense. You know, Anthony, even Anthony Davis was, like, letting Kawhi get layups and James Harden get layups around him. Like, he wasn't seeming to, like, be able to do much in terms of, like, uh, making them change their shots too much. Like, they were, they seemed like easy layups. And a lot of that goes back to, like, bad perimeter defense, right? We had Cam Reddish came back. This was, I think, Cam Reddish's first game back. And he was basically put on, like, an island against James Harden. And that's tough, right? That's just not easy. Uh, you know, I give credit where credit's due in terms of, like, I'm not going to blame Cam Reddish for playing bad defense against James Harden when he's been out for a handful of weeks and, and, and whatnot. So um, tough position to be in. But, you know, overall, he stepped up pretty well early in the game, but then James Harden finally kind of started getting his points and stuff. But all that's to say is, you know, it's tough on Anthony Davis when you have le- less perimeter defense stopping Kawhi and, and James Harden these guys and it can be hard to like leave your man to go help and get a block or whatever but it did seem like he, were, he was still coming up to help but then they were still getting shots off and whatnot so anyways um the defense just was terrible and, and that was that's something that I've talked about a lot on this podcast and something that I've I've tweeted a lot about is like the defensive identity with this Lakers team is just non-existent which some of that is player related. Some of that is, again, 
Bando being hurt and Gabe Vincent being hurt and stuff. Like our defensive identity is much stronger when Jared Vanderbilt is healthy. But that being said, like, you know, Rui and Cam Reddish and LeBron and Anthony Davis and, and Reeves and D'Lo and Spencer Dinwiddie, these guys should be able to step up and play, play comp, you know, like defenses that can at least get stops, right? And it just wasn't happening. The Lakers were just giving up way too many points, and they've been doing that. Same thing happened against the Suns, too. The defense was just not really existent. And some of that also has to do with, like, Darvin Ham seems to love to blitz another team's best player, right? So he'll throw a double team at James Harden. We saw this a lot against the Knicks when the Lakers beat the Knicks. Um, you know, they'll throw a double team at James Harden, which then causes, you know, when he passes out of that double team, the guy that came to double team has to like sprint back and adjust and you have to rotate. And, um, you know, if you're, if you're focused and whatnot, that can be really good. That defense can be really effective, but if you're not super focused and, and stuff, it'll leave holes all over the place for open three pointers, layups, dunks, all, all, all that stuff. So, um, the defense was just not good. And, and I think that's my biggest critique, I would say, with Darvin Ham. There's a lot, thing, a lot of things to critique in terms of, like, why are you playing three guards all the time? Why don't you put Jackson Hayes out there with Anthony Davis more often? Things like that, like rotational questions. There's definitely plenty to to be upset about or to kind of not like about Darvin Ham. For the most part, I agree. I agree. It's not great, but it, like that's not my biggest gripe with him. My biggest gripe with him is his defensive his defensive philosophy or identity with the team. It's like he doesn't really push or or motivate the team to get up defensively for games, you know. I mean, maybe in the playoffs they did. Like, they went out and they made a run to the Western Conference Finals, which is great. But, like, in the regular season, you know, you're in must-win game against the Suns, must-win game against the Clippers, and you find yourselves in these huge 15- to 20-point deficits. And it's like, how is this happening? You know, I mean, I understand if, like, the offense – go stagnant you're just not hitting shots sometimes that happens but like a lot of these cases are like we're just letting the other team get easy buckets open threes layups and then you're stuck in a half court offense and even with LeBron and Anthony Davis it can be just it can be tough to to go tit for tat on a, on a good team against a good team offensively in a half court offense and you know it's something that I say almost every time I'm on this podcast is Good defense leads to good offense. You know, good defense leads to fast break opportunities. Good defense leads to, you know, just momentum swings and things being a little more open from a, again, fast break standpoint. Um, even if it's like, even if you get a stop and you're running and the defense gets back and you're in a, in a half court thing, you're still putting the, the other team on their heels a little bit. So um, the fact that Darvin Ham doesn't seem to prioritize defense as much as someone like Frank Vogel did and stuff is a little frustrating. And, you know, I tweeted this out too. It's like, it, it was, it's watching a game like that and Darvin Ham letting the Clippers go on a 10 1 run after the Lakers had brought the game within like nine points or whatever um, before calling, calling a timeout is, you know, that's frustrating. Um, and, and, and so, like, throughout this whole game, where it's just like, there's a lot of, a lot of crap being talked about Darvin Ham, which, you know, again, like I, like I said, a lot of it, I think a lot of it is deserved, honestly. He's not not he just hasn't he's his decision making is, is suspect, you know. He give him credit where credit's due. The Lakers made it to the Western Conference Finals. How much was that on LeBron and Anthony Davis for being two of the best players in the world? And how much was that on Darvin Ham for being a good coach? I don't know. I you know, you could argue that he got bailed out by having good players on his team. 
I mean, I think he did contribute some. I'm not saying he didn't contribute anything, but like, um, just the fact that the Lakers fired Frank Vogel, a championship-winning head coach, because of terrible roster construction with Russell Westbrook alongside LeBron James, a guy who can't shoot threes, and you know, and you know, Russell Russell Westbrook stands. They're gonna go and talk about like how the Lakers are struggling now and, and they're like, oh yeah, L- Russell Westbrook wasn't the problem. It's like, okay, you look at the Clippers who are one of the best teams in the league who have Russell Westbrook now and that's great. He's contributing off the bench, first of all. He's coming off the bench on a minimum contract or definitely not a max contract. I don't know what contract he's on, but like he was on it. He was traded to the Lakers on a max contract as a starter and now he's a bench player on a minimum contract or a vet minimum or whatever. Um, and so it's just like those two situations are so vastly different. If, if Russell Westbrook had come to the Lakers on a vet minimum contract to play off the bench, to come off the bench as like a six man or something, that would be awesome. I mean, I still don't love some of his decision-making and stuff, but like he was a starter expecting to close out games and he was making terrible decisions. Like you can't, if you're a Russell, if you're a Russell Westbrook fan, you can't look at the tape of him as a Laker and be like, he wasn't the problem because he was, he was just terrible with the Lakers. It was a, the locker room was divided and stuff. And Frank Vogel was the scapegoat. They fired him over it after he had won a championship. And then his next season, he was basically injuries, you know, LeBron and Anthony Davis injury away from at least maybe not repeating in the finals and winning, but at least getting back to the finals. You know, Lakers hobbled their way to the seventh seed, playing a Suns team where we were up, I think, 2-1 in the series. Uh, we're about to win the series. Anthony Davis goes down, basically with a series-ending injury, and the, the Suns go on to to lose in the finals to the Bucks. So you're telling me the Lakers, if Anthony Davis and LeBron weren't healthy all season and Anthony Davis didn't get hurt in that first round against the Suns, the, the Lakers couldn't have made it back to the finals. Um, and then they go and you know make an awful trade for Russell Westbrook. They break up, they blow up the team after the team you know should have been blown up, and then they fire Frank Vogel and bring in a first-year head coach when you know that the championship, you know, the window to contend with LeBron James is very, very narrow. You're going to bring in a first-year head coach? I don't know. It just, for the front office decisions have been pretty frustrating from from that standpoint. And so, circling all the way back to this game against the Clippers, um, there's just a lot of negativity around Darvin Ham during this game, and LeBron bailed him out again. LeBron James went on a tirade 19 points in the fourth quarter, um, hitting like six or seven three-pointers, um, bringing the Lakers back to life after being down 21 points. Uh, LeBron himself outscored the Clippers in the fourth quarter, 19 to 16. The Clippers only allowed 16 or only got 16 points. Lakers stepped up there. And this is just proof. The proof is in the pudding, right, as they say. The Lakers played defense. Surprise, surprise. They threw in guys like Jackson Hayes um, who helped, you know, bring some energy and defense to the team. Um, and, and the Lakers made a run and ended up winning the game 106, what was it? 116 to 112. So it was still a close game, right? Like you're down 21 going into the quarter or in the quarter. And, and, and they, yeah, you know, they, they played, they played that fourth quarter well and they got a win in a must win game. It was a really nice without that was maybe not the best win of the season, but it was, kind of similar reminded me of the the Dallas Mavericks game last season this was the game where I think did LeBron get hurt in this game where he hurt his foot I think he got hurt got hurt in this game 
the Lakers were down like 30 at one point or something crazy. They make a they make a huge comeback and get get a win. And it's funny because the the, the Mavericks ended up not making the playoffs that season. Um, but at the time, the Mavericks were one of the better teams in the league, and and it felt like kind of a t- that game kind of felt like a turning point for the Lakers. So, um, all that being said, a nice win for the Lakers. Maybe not the best win, just because the Lakers played really bad for three quarters of that game. But it was definitely one of the gutsier wins the Lakers have had this season. Nice to see the team rally around. Nice to see LeBron do LeBron things. Just crazy stuff, stuff that is insane that he's doing it at. 39 years old almost 40 years old he's he's putting up 36 points 19 and one quarter to bring a team back from down 21 to win a to win a very much must win game lakers lose that game and i would i think it'd be safe to say if the lakers lose that game season's most likely over i mean it would take a lot for the lakers to actually get bumped out of the play-in tournament just because i think the jazz are the next team like in the 11th seed and they're like four games behind the Lakers. So, I mean, the Lakers, I think at the end of the day, the Lakers would probably still end up in the 10th seed, even if they virtually gave up on the season. But um, losing a game like that to the Clippers it just would have, I feel like, put a, a nail in the coffin on the season. But instead, LeBron brought the team back to life. Lakers go out and get a win, a huge win against a good team. And, you know, the Lakers have beaten good teams this season. That's the thing that's crazy is, like, we're not the best – we're not record-wise, we're not the best team in the league or, the, you know, even the best team in our own conference. But, um, you know, we've beaten the Suns multiple times. We've beaten the Clippers multiple times. We haven't beat the Nuggets. We have not gotten, <laughs> haven't gotten past that hump. We've beaten the Thunder at least once, if not twice. Uh, the Timberwolves, I can't remember off the top of my head. But, like, some of the best teams in the Western Conference, we've beaten most of them outside of the Nuggets, and we play the Nuggets on Saturday. So another measuring stick game for the Lakers as we inch closer and closer to the playoffs. So um, there's lots to kind of be looking forward to as a Lakers fan. I mean, hesitantly, I would say, like, don't get your hopes up too much, right? Like, this is a team that is good when they want to be good and bad when they want to be bad, basically. <laughs> and and so we have a big game. I mean, every game, again, like I said, is a big game. We have a game tonight against the Wizards, which I've would say is not a big game necessarily other outside of the fact that if we get this win if we get a win we go five games uh above 500 and it's pretty crazy actually i was looking at the record the lakers record this time last season and the lakers were four games below 500 on this was yesterday so february 28th 2023 lakers were four games below 500 in the 12th seed um we had basically just made the the trade to bring in D'Lo and Vanderbilt and, and Beasley and, and, and uh, brought in Rui, you know, so the team is still pretty new. Um, and the Lakers made a run, right, and got to the seventh seed and then won the playing game against the Timberwolves and made the seventh seed to play against the Grizzlies. Um, and that was at this time four games below 500. Now, the conference looks very different this season than it did last season, right? At, at this time last year, if the Lakers had the record they have due uh, – the Lakers had the record they have this season, four games above 500 right now, 32 and 28. I think we are. The Lakers would be sitting around the sixth seed last season. Um, instead, we're sitting in the tenth or the ninth seed right now. Um, so just to, goes to show how good the Western Conference is right now, in terms of just the teams are the teams ahead of us are you know they're winning games and they're you know they're they're good. So. 
definitely an interesting little tidbit in terms of just like kind of comparing the season. So I, I, that all that's to say that I feel like that gives me a little bit of hope this season where it's like, okay, we could still make a run. There's still a little bit of time that we can make a run and being three games out of fifth place, like it's possible. Is it plausible or probable? Probably not, but it's possible. And, and that goes to, you know, what I was talking, talking about the Lakers upcoming schedule though. Um, things are, it's it, pretty rough, right? So we play the wizards tonight should be, in, should be a win. Uh, LeBron might not play. I haven't seen officially if he is or not, but you know, LeBron shouldn't have to play tonight after last night, um, on a back to back and we're playing the wizards, right? So LeBron shouldn't have to play tonight against one of the worst teams in the league. And the Lakers should not have to worry about losing to the wizards without LeBron because we are a good enough team to beat the wizards without LeBron. So we'll see what happens, but I would be surprised if LeBron played tonight. So then Saturday we play the nuggets and then we play the Thunder, and we play the Kings, and we play the Bucks, the Timberwolves, the Kings again, the Warriors. So literally the next one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games are must-win games, 100%. Um, the Nuggets, obviously, I mean, it would just, it would just be nice to beat the Nuggets. It would be, it'd be nice to get a win against the, the Nuggets after getting swept in the Western Conference Finals and not being able to beat them so far this season. Um, and then just being a good team, right? Like it's, a, again, a measuring stick type game. The Thunder, it's a team that we've beaten before, but they're a good team. 41-17, currently in the second seed. The Kings, they're in the eighth seed right now. They're like three games ahead of us. I forget what it was. Um, they are two games ahead of us. So a win against the, the Kings is like a direct, you know, helps us directly potentially get up, move up in the standings. Um, and then we play the Bucks, who a good team, but a beatable team. Right, they're thirty-eight and twenty-one. They've fired their head coach, brought in Doc Rivers. They are a they're a good again, good team, but beatable. And again, a, kind of a measuring stick type game, right? Like the Bucks are one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. So if you can go out and beat them, it shows that you're a legit, a legit team. Uh, the Timberwolves, we played them, and they are the number one seed right now. They're you know they're a big team. They're a team that we struggle against because they're so big between Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert and then guys like Anthony Edwards right like they're just they're they're a solid solid team we play them March 10th um I feel like by then we should have an update on Vando uh hopefully he can be back by then but I know that for Vando it was kind of like a we'll see where he's at in a couple weeks so the news that we get soon from him it might not be really helpful news but Hopefully we can get Vando back because having a guy like Vando really helps to right throw him at Anthony Edwards, kind of slow him down a little bit. You're going to need LeBron, right, to go up against Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert. You'll probably need to play Jackson Hayes a little bit. Uh, Christian Wood, he's another situation, right, where he's uh, reevaluated in a couple weeks. Maybe he'll be back by then. Um, in a best-case scenario situation, though, the Lakers should be getting more healthy uh, in March, right? And so we a lot of these games are – in you know they're beginning to mid-march and so um timberwolves big game right number one seed in the west uh measuring stick type game and then we play the kings again right two games ahead of us we could literally i mean obviously we'll see what happens between that but like if all else stays the same if we get wins against the kings on on march 6th and march 13th then we're tied you know in the standings with them and move potentially moving up and then the warriors uh after that 
and the Warriors again. Like I said, they're a game, like a game or half a game behind us. Maybe even a game and a half. Let's see. They are half a game behind us. So literally the next seven games, I mean, after this Wizards game, and again, must win still. Every game's a must win just from a standing standpoint. But but there's some huge Western Conference matchups for the Lakers starting in March. Um, and they're all basically back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back. To back to back to back. Um, and every one of these games is basically every other day. So you have March 2nd, March 4th, March 6th, March 8th, March 10th, March 13th, March 16th. Um, and so March 16th, well, March 17th, after we play the Warriors, will be a, will be it'll be interesting to see where we stand. You know, do Lakers crap the bed and lose a lot of these games, in which case we find ourselves fighting to stay in the 10th seed to stay in the playing tournament or do we win a lot of these games you know catch some of these teams maybe lollygagging right like teams like the nuggets thunder who are at the towards the top of the standings maybe they're not caring quite as much and maybe we can take advantage of that timberwolves same thing with for the timberwolves um and then from there you know we play the hawks sixers pacers bucks again grizzlies pacers nets so it gets much easier from there um games that we should be able to win but teams that we've lost to so uh, it'll be very interesting to see what happens with the lakers over the course of march march is basically the, the defining month of this season in a lot of ways from a winning standpoint a record standpoint a standing standpoint and a health standpoint and a lot of those things coincide right like if the lakers can be healthy then we get a better chance to win if we can win these games we have a better chance of moving up in the standings and if we can move up in the standings we have a better chance of making the playoffs and potentially even making a run in the playoffs so um Health is the kind of the main concern right now. I think even I think even without the health, without having Vanderbilt and stuff, like we can beat these teams, right? You have when you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, at any time, you know you can win these games. Even when you have guys like D'Lo who can put up 20, 25 points, uh, Reeves who can put up 20, 25 points, even Rui can do it. Um, and and that lineup has been playing well with with Rui, Reeves, D'Lo, LeBron, Anthony Davis. You know, so if these guys can stay healthy at the very least, while we wait for Gabe Vincent and Vanderbilt to come back. Uh, you know, I think that we can still hold our own against some of the best teams in the league. It's just a matter of do we execute? Does Darvin Ham get this team fired up and motivated to go out and play good defense and and play inspired offense and, and whatnot? And so I think it, a lot of it comes down to that leadership from a coaching standpoint and also the leadership of LeBron James. You know, I think this team looks – this team and almost any team that LeBron's played for uh, looks to LeBron as, their, you know, the main, like, focal point of the team and – kind of like a, a lighthouse, so to speak, in terms of like, what are we doing? Do we care about this game? Do we not care about this game? Are we playing hard? Are we not playing hard? You know, it, it shouldn't be that way, you know, especially LeBron being 39. Like, he should be able to kind of pick and choose his spots a little bit more. But unfortunately, I think people take that and, and kind of follow his lead a little bit more than they should. So hopefully, you know, Anthony Davis stays healthy and can come out and, you know, have some a big month, a big month of March. The big month of March for Anthony Davis is going to be really season defining for the Lakers you know if he comes out and plays soft like he has the last few games then we're going to be screwed but if he comes out and plays hard even if LeBron is maybe having to like pick his spots a little bit here and there you know Anthony Davis should be able to carry this team from both a defensive and offensive standpoint and and we should be able to find ourselves we we should be able to find ourselves fighting for like the fifth or sixth seed it's just a matter of can we execute and play good defense you know because I think the offense will come especially when you guys when you have the firepower we have between D'Lo, LeBron, Reeves, uh, AD, and whatnot. So, um, 
fingers crossed that the Lakers can actually get things done. You know, I this season has been quite the roller coaster from like a screw it, I don't care about the season anymore. Lakers are cooked. We're not going to make the playoffs, or or even if we do make the playoffs, we're not going to get out of the playing tournament or whatever. You know, um, to like we go out and have a huge comeback against the Clippers last night. I'm like, oh yeah, we're so back. We're 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 a legit like maybe maybe finals contender if we get things figured out. But um, that's a strong thing to say when when Denver stands in front of most of us in the Western Conference. So we'll see what happens. March is going to be a huge month. I'm excited to kind of see what happens and, and follow the team and you know keep talking about them regardless of if they win or lose, and, and we'll just go from there. So I appreciate you all for listening, and go Lakers. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Lakers Carpool. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and share it on social media with your friends. You can find the podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or most places where you listen to podcasts. Again, thank you so much for listening, and go Lakers! 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it!